Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners, Adam and I are back and Sam Whedon joins us again for this one. We'll discuss 95th minute limbs in Sheffield, a battle against the baggies, and we'll finish off by looking ahead to another Carabao Cup tie on Tuesday night and a trip to St Andrews on Saturday. Enjoy! How are we boys? Are we well? Uh, all good, thank you. Yeah, good, thanks Jake. Good, good. Yeah, it was uh, a good day yesterday. <laughs> sore head. <laughs> well, yeah, sore head from last night. I saw everything from last night, to be fair, dancing like a dickhead for about two hours, screaming and shouting. But, yeah, um, yeah, the game was... It wasn't one for the football purists, I don't think, but it was one that I really enjoyed. It was just a battle from from minute one. And seeing a few people saying they didn't think West Brom were that good, and while I don't think that's a style of football that I'd be pleased to watch week in, week out, I actually thought they were quite good. You can see why they're unbeaten, can't you? They're very hard to break down. Yeah. Which is obviously, once you've done that, you're halfway there, really, to getting promoted, aren't you? When you look back to what we were like under Simon Grace in the year we went up from League One, we're very hard to beat. It sets good foundations. And, you know, the calibre of players they've got going up top, they're more than capable of scoring goals to nick games, aren't they? Yeah, I think they were, they're obviously a threat as well, aren't they? You know, they, they want to get it, they want to get the ball in the box if they can and load the box and play for like, you know, throw-ins and corners and, and trying to trying to play that way. Um, well, it's not and, often, yeah. is it, that you see like the best part of 15, 16 players in in, uh, in a penalty box for a long throw or a corner. In the six-yard box as well. Well, yeah. That was, <laughs> it was just, scary to watch. Yeah. Um, but on the whole, I thought we dealt with them all right, apart from the goal, obviously, which I'm sure we'll come on to. And then the Hugel chance at the end where we were a little bit sloppy as well. But on the whole, in terms of dealing with the balls into the box, I think we did all right. I thought Patrick yeah, no. Bauer was outstanding. He led from the front, didn't he? I mean, it sort of set the tone for the old contrast of the incident with Hugel after about five minutes. But I think not just yesterday, he's made a massive difference in the upturning form we've had since he's come back into the team against Peterborough. He shows really is um, an outstanding incident. He's just calm, isn't he? Calm, collected, knows what he's doing and he's... He, doesn't try to be fancy. He he's just does the simple stuff very well and, and is very good at it. Absolutely. Exactly what Story and Hughes both need as well. Like yeah. somebody calm and um experienced in there to help them both out. I think as well, I think Story's been quite hit and miss this season, but you know, you look at the games that he's played with Lindsay alongside him versus the games with Pat alongside him and he looks like a completely different player with Pat next to him. Yeah, there was a period yesterday where I felt as though our right-hand side wasn't particularly strong. Uh, there was a few chances where 
you got in down there and a few headers that, that story um struggled to deal with. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean since Pat's come in he's he's looked completely different. Yeah. I mean on, on Pat, I think the first proper mistake he's made was on, on Tuesday night at Chef United. Obviously don't really know what he's trying to do there, to be honest, with, with that pass. You just you'd expect him just to lump it really, put it into put it into Rosehead. And instead it's like I don't know, it's actually quite a good three ball to be fair, without obviously meaning to. He could have used the keeper as well. I don't know whether Iverson wasn't talking to him or what, I don't know, but he just yeah. kinda of got caught in two minds, didn't he? I think he was just trying to pass it to Sep, I think, but yeah, he just got caught. Um, and yeah, it was a bit, a bit of a shambles, really. Credit to him, though, he put it behind him, didn't he? And was outstanding for the rest of the contest. And he made a lot of big blocks, big challenges, as, as we've become accustomed to with him, really. What What did you think about the, the defending for that first goal? Um, obviously, the, the Morgan Gibbs White one. A bit poor, really, wasn't it? I think, yeah. obviously, we've mentioned it, Pat Bauer should have cleared it, but then you've got to deal with a second ball, someone's won a header, it's bounced in. And whether we know it was right at the start of the contest, whether we just switched off, but. Well, one, I, I don't even know who was marking him, really. He seems to sort of wander into the box fairly yeah. unattached to anyone, whether Hughes loses him, I'm not sure. But then. Story missed the header as well, didn't he? The, the ball into the box, I think, was it Freeman? Or yeah, it was. was. Norrington Davis, one of the two, no. I can't remember. It was Freeman, yeah. Um, and Story, like, he, he almost gets caught under the ball as it's, as it's crossed in. He's not read the flight of it very well, um, whether he's caught on the back foot or not, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, and then like you say, Sam, some someone wins that header, and yeah, just drifts into the box. Excuse me. Um, just drifts into the box unchallenged. And to be fair to the lad, you know he's done well to get to get the finish away, and it's, it's an awkward one, and obviously bounce into the ground, and well, he's hit it into the ground, then it bounces up, and sort of just fumbles into the back of the net. Really, it's a good finish. Five minutes late. I was five minutes late to the game. I literally walked up the stairs just as uh, that chance went in. So it was a good introduction to it. <laughs> I thought we started all right as well. We, yeah, we, we did. Up, eh? Bit of a sucker yeah, punch, wasn't it, really? Yeah, but mistakes happen, don't they? You know, especially yeah. at our level as well. You know, you can't. Um, he's been brilliant, hasn't he, so far this season, Pat? So, and then I think when when someone makes a mistake, it kind of gets in panic mode, especially when you're away from home as well. And yeah. then the next minute, everyone's all over the place, and people aren't set in the right positions and. You can concede, can't you? But it's a good finish. Really good finish. I think as well, it you know, looking at that game as a whole, it's one that we, we could have won quite easily. Uh, obviously the, there's the ball from, from Leto, which is just absolute class to find DJ. Uh, and the run from DJ as well, you know, for, for him to make that run. And I have no idea what the keeper's doing. Coming out like that and his, his first touch, though, is is what what creates the the space for him to obviously get the shot off, and it's it's a brilliant first touch off his chest into space. It's not it's not over hit. It's not like too powerful. It's just just right, really. And uh, yeah, DJ does what DJ does after that, doesn't he? I guess fiftieth goal, wasn't it? Been yeah. quite a journey. Yeah, it's been. Uh, up and down at times, hasn't it? From, from <laughs> people saying that they drive him to Wigan to twelve goals and player of the season, and yeah, he's contract not worth, he's not worth that new contract. <laughs> and now he's 
probably one of the best players in the side at the minute. On, on I think he's four. been quality this season. Yeah, so as good a shot as anyone for player of the season so far. All back playing seven games, something like that, seven eight. Games. I think I'd say him and him and Emil are probably the two standouts for me so far this season. Yeah, absolutely. Offer Reese's chance as well when it's DJ's passing it, it just slips yeah. him through. What a ball that is! What yeah. a ball! Perfectly weighted, and again, you know, we'll come on to a meal in a bit. But people are just people hammer him. Yes, he, he gets a lot of chances, and and he doesn't bag them all. But if he did, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be here. If, well, not if a sign of a good striker, though, getting in so many good positions. Exactly, and we mentioned yeah. last week about confidence and giving him a run of the team. You see players develop with confidence, and for me, I think I tweeted at the time the fact he's getting into the right positions, not letting his head drop like he might have done in the past. You know, it's rewarded him with a goal at the end of the day, which his performance fully deserved, I thought, on Tuesday night. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think it's a good save from the keeper? He shouldn't really have a chance of it, but having said that, he's come out well, made himself big, which is, you know, what the goalkeepers are supposed to do, but, you know, he shouldn't really be having a chance of that, should he? I think if it's on his right, I think it's a well, he'd like to think it'd be a goal, but yeah, it's on his left, and uh, in the end, it's a good save. Um, but you know, we're in the championship; like strikers aren't going to score every single time. They, you know, they have a chance. And I don't honestly don't remember. It must be back in the league one days where we've had a striker who gets so many chances. But like, he had another chance yesterday, didn't he? Where he bring he brings it down and could probably get his shot off. Just just runs um, away from him a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and in my eyes, I think I just think that's a good thing because when you look at Maguire, who everyone says has been playing well, and he has been playing well. You know, you compare the actual chances that the two of them have. You know, Maguire's got nowhere near the amount of chances that yeah. Reese is having. I do, I do think on that, I do think Sean is being asked to play a slightly different game. I think Emil's maybe got a bit more of a freer role, whereas they're looking to Sean more to try and link play and try and bring. He does drop a bit deeper, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sam, you were there. Let's talk about the the ninety fifth minute. Limbs. Oh, it's what it's all about, isn't it? I think I texted you straight afterwards. I mean, yeah. I was telling you, I've missed a train home. I'm getting in at half 12, hour and a half later. Than, it's all worth it, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's just, <laughs> just makes me laugh, isn't it? You're in the away end and like all the fans are getting on the players' back. They're on Reese's back and then suddenly a ball drops from the 95th minute and like a hero, isn't he? But it's no more than we deserved, I'd have said. Like, obviously, they had that chance where John Flex run clean through and Iverson's made a good save. And then obviously, we have a chance where. Reese has gone clean through and then their keeper's made a good save, probably should have scored. And then they score and you think it's all over. They're taking the ball into the corner, taking the pace out of the game. And I think it's Billy Sharp in it, who's probably the last person to expect with his experience to give away a silly free kick. If he does it, Ledson puts just, it in. He gets a bit of luck. didn't he? Just seemed a bit unnecessary. And, and to be fair, it's probably one of them. If you're a Chef United fan, you're looking at it going, it's a free kick on the halfway line. Like, it, you, it's not one that you'd look at and go oh, it's like 25 yards out in a dangerous area so to speak you think oh, halfway line free kick should be able to deal with this quite easy but, wasn't even a particularly good ball in either was it I think their no. defender's gone to head it skimmed off his head a bit like Story did for their first goal and Story's done well in the end to get back in and pull it back across obviously it's a good composed finish from a meal so it's no no less than we deserved, I thought. The touch, the touch as well was just quality. Like the touch to just bring it down under control, keep it within like striking distance, if you will, 
and then obviously just absolutely leathered it. So many players at this level though panic at that and try and lash it first time, you know, send yeah. it over the crossbar or something again. It's a really good finish. I don't think you appreciate it really until you look at it again how well he's actually done to like you say, take it down and get the yeah. shot. Keep just to keep composed, bring it down and like you say, not not to lash it at first time and you know, you, you see it time and again, don't you? I think was it Luke Freeman in, in the first half had a chance like that? Yeah, it's pulled back to him, hasn't it? And he's skied it over. And he's just snatched at it and it's gone straight over. And you're looking at that thinking, you know, that that should have been a goal, really. Oh, definitely. But, yeah, for him to show the composure that he did and bring it down and then find the back of the net was just top class. And the balance of play, though, it's no less than we deserved. Sorry, I was just saying, no Mm -hmm. less than we deserved. I mean, obviously, you go into a team, like we mentioned on the podcast that week, they've got a sort of an embarrassment of riches going forward. They're bringing on, I think I read somewhere their bench was worth 70 million. They're bringing on Brewster and Sanderberg, who obviously scored. And then they had a few spells in the second half. They put us under pressure, which you'd expect playing away from home. But apart from the two goals, we dealt with it really well. And I think had we come away with anything less than a point, we'd have been kicking ourselves because, like I said, we deserved it. Yeah, definitely. I was I was just going to say about Reese that especially for him to score after he'd missed the chance and then we conceded straight away. I think if that was last season, he probably wouldn't have dealt with it as well. Um, and I think that's what he, he's bringing to his game now is that, you know, he's going to miss chances, but he's he's got that. I think he admitted in the interview after that he is a confidence player and, you know, he can't let his, his head drop. So, yeah, it was uh, it was good. And I was I was happy for him after after Twitter yeah. <laughs> when he missed the chance it was quite funny I um, I interviewed him after the Mansfield game and he said then he was like it, it was hard last season because I think it was just him and his missus in his flight in Manchester and he's like you know you miss a chance in a game or you, you lose a game and he said it, you've nothing to do to distract yourself from thinking what are people saying on social media like People on Twitter and wherever, and we'll say, "Oh, just don't look at it." But it's not as easy as that sometimes. And you know, when obviously he's been in this country before, but when when you're in this country on your own, near enough, I don't even know if he was with his missus or not. I think he was, but whether he was or wasn't doesn't really matter. You know, when when you're in this country, you're new to it, and you can't do anything because of the lockdown. It it must be so incredibly hard to just try and block out the negatives when, when you know, if you do miss a chance in a game or whatever it may be. So, yeah, it's good good to see that, you know, he's, he seems to be enjoying himself again and and is the looking like the footballer that we saw when he first joined for the, that first sort of five games or whatever it was. I think him and Ledson have got a weird little connection haven't they you know like with the ball over the top again yesterday it was led someone who, who put him in and I mentioned it a few weeks ago I think um, DJ helps him as well because Reese is a striker that runs in behind and you saw for his chance that DJ can just slide him in whereas like if Brown was there he can't do that either so he, he, you'd like to think he's going to continue to get chances in the you know in the formation and the um, the players that we've got I had, I had this down for part two um, but may as well talk about it a little bit now it's eight goal contributions in all competitions for him this season Uh, obviously six goals two assists which works out with the minutes that he's played um, a goal or assist every 73 minutes very good I can't remember the last time we've had someone Uh, granted it it is early days but 
I can't remember the last time we had someone at this level that was sort of returning um, goals and assists to the extent that Emil is. Um, obviously, as a club, we seem to have a bit of a, well, a very bad habit of letting some of our best players, or just players in general, to be honest, run the contracts down. But my question is, I, I guess, if, if Emil keeps up this form between, I don't know, say now and January, or, or not even, would would you look at maybe offering him a new deal? I know he signed a four-year deal when he joined, but would would we have a habit of letting our best assets go? And I think to be seen to be being proactive for some, with something like that for once would would go down very well. Even if you offer him, I don't know, a twelve-month extension, better wages, it you would you would hope anyway that it would be more likely to stop his head from being turned if he does keep up this form and say a, a bigger club, if you will, comes in for him in January. I think it's got to be done. I mean, even if end of the day he keeps his form up till the end of the season and, you know, clubs on, you know, bigger wage structures in the championship or sort of lower end Premier League clubs will look at him. At least if you've got him under a longer term contract, you've, you know, be able to get more of a fee that sort of we deserve for him because you look at Ben Pearson and Ben Davis last year seemed to be we didn't even get four million for the both of them really when in fact actually if you to value them up as players what we should have really been getting was looking at near a 20-30 million mark isn't it? and as a club who particularly doesn't spend that sort of money often you need to and have that sort of income you need to really capitalise on your assets if you are going to cash in on them or likewise if you do want to keep them around they need to be under as long a contract as possible It would just be nice to see the club being proactive and saying do you know what Emil Early season form is is a reward, you know. Is is a twelve month extension it means we we've got one less contract to worry about in three years time or two years, whenever it is. I think we used to do it, didn't we, with um, with the players that we had. I mean, even Pearson and Davis and Brown. I mean, Brown seems to get a new contract every year at one point, didn't he? And I think that we were that was something that we did, but I think we probably reached our ceiling at that point, and those players were. We're um, we're destined for for different things or or you know bigger contracts than we were offering at the time. So if we can get back to that, I mean I don't know what Emil's on, but I'm pretty sure he won't be on what Brown and DJ are on. So you know there's, yeah. there's room there to to make an offer. But having said that, we've got quite a lot of people out of contract this summer, haven't we? We've let run down, so we've got that to consider as well. One one of which is. Someone that we were praising to the hilt before, obviously Pat Pat Bauer. He's out of contract in the summer, so yeah, lots of work to be done. Um, in terms of the game yesterday, it was unfortunately just another example of how poor the level of officiating is in this this league. At times, I'm not saying all officials are as horrendous as that, but I would say quite comfortably that there's a lot. That are that bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think he just didn't get hold of the game, did he? And the thing is with West Brom as well, is that they were always trying to get a few yards on a throw in, um, always trying to win a free kick, and at the same time, you know, rough us up as well. I mean the Hugo one, it's like if you give the foul and you know it's an elbow, and then you look at Pat's face, how does he not give him a booking? It just well, doesn't make any what, sense to me at all. Yeah, this is what I couldn't get my head around. Sep got booked inside the first two minutes or whatever it was. for. Uh, it was his first foul. It, it seemed quite innocuous as well. And he goes straight in the referee's book and then 
Pat has his nose bust, and it was, it was there was clearly an elbow there. I and mean, I'm not saying Jordan's gone out to to try and break Pat's nose. He almost certainly hasn't, in my in my opinion, anyway. But how it's not a booking, I, yeah. I, he didn't I even spot the Conor Wickham one in the second half, did he? Though it was only the linesman who gave it, and he only clocked the linesman giving it after about oh yeah five seconds. Which yeah. I mean, from where I was sitting in the finney, it looked as obvious as anything that he'd obviously been taken down and then like uh, Adam said when you've taken the throw-ins forward you let it go once suddenly they're on top of you and you've lost control of the game innit? and then the game especially with a team like West Brom are going to have you know do a lot of niggly fouls be quite rough and tough you've got to gain control of the game uh, early on and sort of set the tone for it and he didn't well, do that and I think that cost him throughout the whole thing I thought early on with that booking for Seppo I was like right he set the tone here this is clearly it's going to be one of them games no messing from the ref cards are going to be coming out left, right and centre and then not two minutes later obviously the, the Bauer incident happens and you're like, hang on <laughs> what's his what's his logic here? What's his thinking? Cause it's Too inconsistent Yeah, and then at that point you go in, right, it's going to be one of them mm-hmm. games which unfortunately for us seem to be quite frequent, however I'm sure you could speak to fans of every team in this league and they'd say the same yeah. thing that's the thing. Like, I don't really like going in at referees a lot too because I'm sure every club has them. It's nothing against us in particular. We're not targeted by the EFL, which some people seem to think. Like it, it's just the same for everyone, isn't it? You know, and you just you just got to deal with it. But yesterday in particular, I just thought he, you know, that's the way West Brom played, and that's fair play. I just don't think he dealt with the game very well. Um, and yeah, it was just. It was pretty poor. I mean, the throw-in for the goal, I mean, it's still poor defending, isn't it? Um, you know, we can moan about the fact that he's stolen a few yards, but it's a poor goal to concede. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was just just a bit of an ugly game on the whole yesterday. I didn't. I know you said you enjoyed it, Jake, but I, I don't know whether I did, you know. I just think it was, a, it was a good battle, but in terms of actually football on show, it was, it was pretty poor, to be honest. Because I mean, we had what thirty odd, thirty nine percent possession, and it was clear what we were trying to do. We were trying to just, you know, we didn't want to press them because obviously they're just going to go in behind you. So then you're in, you're in big trouble. So we kind of just sat back and tried to play balls over the top. So it was a bit, yeah, it was a bit ugly. Yeah, I think we've completed. Sorry, I'm gone. Uh, sorry, I was going to say I saw a stat before. I don't even think we completed a hundred passes no. accurately. I don't I can't remember the last game we would have been like that. I think it just really summed up the type of game it was. I think it was 97 accurate passes across the well, the 96 minutes, included stoppage time. So really sort of just sums it up for us, doesn't it? Yeah, I think yeah and that's not from... a dig... Sorry, Jake. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I say, it's not a dig at us either. That's the way we played and it, and it worked. We got a point out of it. It's just a, oh, a bit of yeah. the game as a whole. It was just, yeah, not not particularly enjoyable. I, 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 I do agree with you, but I think I just enjoyed it, the fact that it was just so much blood and thunder. And like from that point of view, it was entertaining. It, it, you know, I think I don't know if it was my dad or my father-in-law after the game I asked how it had gone, and I was like, Do you know what? It wasn't one for the purists. It wasn't one that's going to live long in the memory from a footballing point of view. But it, it was from at least from my point of view, an enjoyable game to watch, just because it was so full of energy and just a battle, a constant battle. And you know, it's not it's not often you see that. You know, when when you're playing in the championship generally there's going to be teams that you come up against that play nice football, that play good football. And, you know, we we can do it. We've done it at times. 
not consistently, I don't think, this season. But, you know, part, at points in games, we have done it. But probably, yeah, I think I enjoyed it yesterday for all the wrong reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it was good having a good um, away following there as well. I think it helped yeah. spice it up a little bit. Always adds to it, doesn't it? You know, when you've got, I'd say, anything above like a thousand fans in in the stadium in the away end, it it just helps add to the atmosphere. And I just wish that we, as a home crowd, could be a little bit more consistent in the way that we back the lads. If that makes sense, when it comes to like creating an atmosphere, it's never yeah. really been there in years, has it? Though. No, not really. I think the last time consistently I remember it, probably going back to the Billy Davis days. You know, I know it was obviously there under Simon Grayson in League One and whatnot, but I think it was it was at its best under Billy Davis for me at home. Well, you got exciting. You know, you got Nugent banging in goals for fun, and that team we had. Um, I saw a clip the other day of. I know it's not the same era, but of Fuller, that clip of Fuller for Hearts. I just think, oh God, I wish we had a player like that now. <laughs> just amazing. Can you uh, imagine? It'd be so good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously Craig Brown had connections up there, didn't he? But how we got in, um, I don't know. Do you think, do you think there'd be room in the game for a player like that now? Because I think, you know, you look at all sorts of levels of football and, and players like that are very rare these days. Do you think do you think the game's moved on or? I think if you play two up front, you can still have a fuller in your side. He's obviously not going to be the one who's going to play up front on his own. Um but I think you could always find a way of getting him in the team who's that good, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. As a football fan though, you want to watch players who get you on the edge of your seat and stuff like that, don't you? I mean, fair enough from like a manager's perspective, I it's all about this tactical battles now and you can't really risk players. You know, losing the ball and transition and stuff. As a football fan, it's like when we had players like Aidan McGeady, Lucas Nemecha, obviously Ricardo Fuller years before that. You want players who are going to get you on the edge of your seat and excite you. That's what you're paying your money for, isn't it? So yeah. I always think they're the type of players to sort of get bombs on seats. That season under McGeady, I was just like, every single game, it's like, what is this guy? <laughs> He's just when he played Brentford, I was in awe. In oh, awe of him. Just, yeah. He was just an alien, wasn't he? A football alien. He was worth a season right. ticket alone that season, yeah. just to watch him 100%. the whole season. Well, Piero said, didn't he, on the podcast, he said that he, he's probably the best player that he's ever ever played with. Championship uh, Messi described Bayern, him, I think he said, Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Bayern, I think maybe Dan Juma, I think he said at Bournemouth, but obviously he's left Bournemouth now. And yeah, I remember Simon Grayson saying that he in training sometimes he just used to sort of watch Piero and McGeady because they were both so competitive, but... Piero would hate being like megged, whereas that's like McGeady just constantly be like, I just want to try and meg him or try and get past him and beat him. And it, Grayson was just like, yeah, at times in training, you know, you'd you'd just stand back and watch these two going at one another just for completely like their own reasons. And yeah, fond memories, very fond memories. Obviously not of the training, just of, of McGeady being at North End. I don't even think there's, there's not many, many players like McGeady left even in the Prem now. Yeah, you've got to be disciplined now, haven't you, as well? And you, like you were talking about Fuller before, you know, could you have players like that now when you, you're playing that way? don't know, yes. I'd love a Fuller and McGeady in my team. That's, you know, give me that who, any who day wouldn't? of the week. Who wouldn't? But I think, you know, Sam summed it up best, didn't he, when 
when you you just said about it's so tactical and the the tactical battles now that it's very rare that a manager can afford to let a player maybe like McGeady have that sort of free role and and just do what they want. I suppose one that maybe comes to mind a little bit is Ben Rama at West Ham. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I think um, I think Grayson did just let McGeady have a bit of a free role, didn't he? Um, it's probably why McGeady hasn't got on well with every single manager that he's had, um, because sometimes you've just got to let players have like, a little bit of a free role, and if they're getting the results, then it doesn't matter, does it? Could you imagine McGeady under Alex Neil? I think that would have been one that they just wouldn't have. They'd have either no. worked really well or not at all. No, I couldn't say that. Definitely not. It's ironic though, because I mean, I was lucky enough, slightly off topic, to on Wednesday I managed to get tickets to that Manchester City v Leipzig game in the Champions League, the six-three one. I don't know if you saw it afterwards. I mean, I've gone to the game as like just a neutral point of view. I was absolutely wild by like Kevin De Bruyne, Mares, and Jack Grealish. Obviously, Grealish. Killed in a beauty, and after the game, Pep's absolutely berating them on the pitch and saying, "Oh, it's all about the defending and stuff." And feel like having a player like McGeady now, with perhaps you know, is not the most—I don't know how to say this—like tactically astute footballer about, but he sort of brings that X factor. You just don't think these top managers now what they're all about. You just don't think they get on at all, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Look at Robinson when when Neil first came in. Robinson couldn't get in the team. It was about learning learning the role and learning how to work as a team, not just about. Like yourself, and he turned Robinson into a top championship player. Who I thought was odd, he was on the bench yesterday. I think he's he's just been out with COVID, hasn't he? Has he? Right. Okay. Um, he, I think it's the second time he's got COVID. Um, and I don't know if I think he started midweek, and I I think that was like the second game back from COVID that he's at, he's been involved in. So yeah, I suspect yesterday it was probably more just. Like going easy on him, kind of thing. And let's let's be honest, they've they've got enough players to rotate without really dropping quality, haven't they? You know, Dan Garner, Carlin Grant was on the bench as well. You know, Grant'd be starting every week for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't know if you want to mention Ali McCann a bit. I thought he looked sensational when he came on yesterday. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about Ali McCann. We've seen I don't know if I'm presuming you boys have seen it. A few people have uh, started referring to him as Ali McCante on Twitter, which I, it's just that's brilliant. I yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Actually. That's what I was going to say. Like, you see a few people, I mean, I think our second tier pod mentioned it, questioning why we brought him in, saying, you know, we're stacked with centre midfielders. But I think you saw when he came on, you saw what we were missing since we sold Ben Pearson. He covers everywhere, doesn't he, McCann? You look up, he's there. And the next minute you look up, he's like other side of the pitch. You're like, how have we got across there? Hell of an engine on him, hasn't he? Yeah, but I agree. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was brilliant when he came on. It's He's very slight, isn't he? You know, you, you look at like energetic, sort of box to box midfielders that that get about a bit and put themselves about, and you think stocky, maybe like someone a bit like Jake Livermore, that kind of build. Then you you look at Alan McCann, and he's like he's tiny. But I suppose, you know, that that's probably what enables him to be so mobile and, and so energetic. And, you know, I, I fully expect him to, to start on Tuesday night against Cheltenham. And it, it's it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, until he's a regular starter. So I think Whiteman and Ledson have been playing well together. I think it's just a matter of 
waiting for either one of them two to get suspended on the yellow cards or perhaps pick up a little niggle for him to get his place. I'm confident he'll nail it down, but, you know, credit to Whiteman and Ladson, they've been playing well. So it's up to McCann to force his way into the team, which he's done no harm yeah. yesterday. Well, like, like you said before about, you know, second tier saying why we signed another midfielder, but we have no one like him and we've missed that since Pearson's left. I wouldn't even say he's that similar to Pearson, to be honest. I'd say he's still quite different to Pearson. Um, a lot of similar qualities, but not not a like-for-like player, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, one one to be excited about and he's had a handful of cameos so far and there's not a lot not to love, is there, already? No, he looks, he looks quality. Yeah, I think we can we can call that part one then, boys, and uh, I'll see you in part two. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we've not really got much more to talk about, to be fair, so we'll we'll look ahead to Tuesday night's game against Cheltenham Town, and we'll talk about Saturday's trip to Birmingham as well. Boys, are you going on on Tuesday night, or giving it a miss? It'll be uh, it'll be able to be streamed, won't it? I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it with you, to be fair. I'm going to have to have a look. I might be one of them where I sort of buy a ticket on the day, to be fair. Yeah, I'm yet to make my mind up on it yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. It's a, it's a, a weak spot of mine. I, I can't not go to Deepdale on a midweek. I just love it. Just First one back after it. COVID, isn't it, as well, I think? Tuesday night game at home. Yeah, I think it is. Quite like games like this as well in the Cup. You get to see players you don't usually see, and then hopefully mm. you get like a young player come on and stuff. I can't imagine. He's gone quite strong, hasn't he, in the last two rounds? Um, and... I can't imagine him changing too much. I, th- I do think there'll probably be about three or four changes. Um, I think Wickham will probably start. I think Callie McCann will start. I think Josh Murphy will start. Yeah, we want to get those three I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if all of Sunday's involved. Because I know they said in the last press conference, I think it was, that he was back on the grass. So, you know, it might be Sep gets 70 minutes, 80 minutes, and then get... Matt all Sunday on for for his debut. Um, probably see Liam Lindsay come back in. You know he's obviously he had a knock as well, didn't he? But he's he's just been involved in the squad for the last few games. Probably see Greg come back in as well. And Quite then, a few changes then. Yeah, <laughs> not three or four. <laughs> We've had the luxury, to be fair, of keeping an untrained team for the last four games on it. So a lot of players probably are. Which, to be fair, to I've been surprised at that. N- knowing, you know, that there's the, the Saturday, Tuesday coming up, I am surprised that he's gone back-to-back four times with the same same group, but do you know what? It's paid paid off, hasn't it? Well, I think it's worked because we've, we've got this game on Tuesday, so we yeah. can give players a rest and give players who we might have played and took a chance on if we weren't in the cup. He can wait and get him a full 90 minutes. Like Wickham, McCann, Murphy, like you say. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll take that back. It'll probably be more than three or four changes. I don't think he'll do it, but it's worth pointing out, isn't it? I think aren't any players not in the championship match day squad are eligible to play in this game, aren't they? I'm pretty sure they can play in the cup games. He likes the Rafferty, yeah, Jamie Thomas might get a run out off the bench or something, for example. Not sure whether there's any uh, reserve league games in this week that they might get a run out in, but if not, there's, that's always an option off the bench no, to I give think, them a bit of match I think time. you are right there. So yeah, it might. It, it probably will be quite a change squad then, to be fair, won't it? If you know, if he does think, well, I'll give give Jamie Thomas a run from the bench, but then you know, it, we've not got the luxury of five subs like we had last season anymore. It's back to three, so yeah, yeah, it's it, got to be probably all of Sunday's probably one. If he was on the bench, I can't see him starting. You probably want to get in minutes, and then yeah, it depends really. O'Reilly, Rodwell, Grant. I don't think they'll get a chance this time around. Um, they're probably looking at loans now, aren't they? In a similar yeah. way to Walker, went out this week. Um, so yeah, Thomas spoke about it last week. Will he get on? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think we're in a different position than we are than we were in the previous rounds, where he probably needed to play a stronger team. Yeah. Whereas we've actually gone on a good run, and it probably warrants a bit of a mix-up, and with the new signings as well. So I can, I can see quite a few changes, to be honest. I mean, let's... don't want to mess around too much, though, do you? Because it's quite a good chance to progress. Obviously, no disrespect to Charlton and the are they League Two? I think I don't want to say that. League One. Oh, the League One. Oh, fair enough. League One. So, yeah, I'm nine, nine, will be favourites against. They are. Oh, so they're they're doing all right, then, aren't they? But obviously, you want to progress best you can. It's a good chance playing against the league below. Yeah, they'll probably come make it competitive contest. So you want to be on your best for it, and you get through this round. You're in around five, and you have a good chance in the. A big away date, one of the big boys, for example. You look back to the Mansfield and Morecambe games, and at the time we weren't doing particularly well in the league. So he went. I think he's gone quite strong in them games to try and try and get wins under our belts and get a bit of confidence into the lads. And obviously, it's worked. We've we've won the two games and into into this round now against Cheltenham. And like you say, Sam, it, it's a very winnable tie. You know, no no disrespect to Cheltenham. I think, is this the first time we've ever played Cheltenham in a competitive fixture? I don't know. I'm sure I saw the club tweet something like that. Could be wrong, as I often am, but I'm sure I'd seen the club had, had tweeted that this this is the, the first competitive fixture between the clubs. But the, you know what? They're not doing too bad. You know, the ninth in League One, they've, they've, um, they're unbeaten in the last three. They do quite often play a back three slash back five, so... Probably be another one. Two teams playing with a similar shape. Yeah, it's the first time we're playing him, Jake. Sorry. Okay, nice. yeah. Fine, yeah. Zero nice to know head that to I head. wasn't. Nice to know that I wasn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, Google might be wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that that's possible, if not likely. Um, what what would you would you want to see a, a strong team put out and then obviously. Is a chance to progress, or is it one of them where you're not really that asked? Ideally, yeah, but I do, and I agree what you say, Sam. But I think there's so many players that actually need minutes that I think he's going to be forced to to change it because you know we've got some players there who've either been injured or or haven't really played that much anyway, or a new signings. So I think he's he's going to be forced to do it. I mean, like you said before, Jake, we want McCann starting, don't we? Um, and then, you know, you've got others in there that need games. So, ideally, you'd want to put a strong team out. But, yeah, I think with the run that we've had and the fact that players need some minutes, I think he's going to be forced to. You would imagine it'll be a front two of Wickham and Murphy and, you know, 
Josh Murphy two, three seasons ago was an 11, 11 million pound player. Connor Wickham's been bought for millions in the past. Again, no disrespect to Cheltenham, but you'd think that that would be a more than adequate strike force to to see them off. Even players coming in though, like the ones that could come in and get minutes. You're like, so I know we missed out yesterday with a knock for Alan Brown. I don't know if he'll be back fit. Brad Potts. They might make a lot of changes. I won't necessarily say with weak as such. I mean, obviously, like Liam Lindsay for Patrick Bowers. Obviously, no disrespect to Liam Lindsay going to weaken like us. But then you've got like you know Brad Potts playing number ten. Lots of like your club captain coming in. You'd still think we're certainly strong enough to beat a team like you say Cheltenham. So. Don't want to wait my words, but you know, fingers crossed, a team <laughs> like that's enough to get through. Yeah, let's let's hope that the uh, the I don't even know what I'm going to say. Let's just hope it doesn't come back and bite us in the arse. Now that we've sat sat here and said a few times, yeah, we should be beating teams like Cheltenham. <laughs> I add that like we do look. I know we've talked about the strength of the squad and stuff, but our options do seem a lot a lot better now. When you compare it to like last season when we had Stockley and then you've got Rafferty in reserve and players like that, you know, when you're looking at like you say, Murphy who's once eleven million pound player in Wickham's kind of up in the air about whether he can stay fit or not. But then you've got McCann, you've got Brown as club captain who can potentially come in. So when you look at it compared to years gone by, we have got quite a lot of options. Yeah, and it's you know, like you said, Sam, it There'll be changes, and and you probably look around the the side and think, you know what? Going into this game, we're probably not massively weaker overall, anyway. What are your predictions? What are you saying? I think we'll progress comfortably two nil. Yeah, same two nil. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking exactly. I was hoping (laughs) you weren't going to say two nil as well, but. Hey, man, think alike. Watch now, it'll be nil-nil and we'll lose on penalties. Yeah. Birmingham, are you, are you boys off, off the, the centre of the country? I am. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not, probably no surprise to any listeners, but I'm not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I have plans with my dad to go out for a few beers and a bit of food, so, yeah, I'll be uh, keeping an eye on it from afar, but... Be a tough one, you know. Lee, Lee Bowie has gone in there and, and has, has done well. To be fair to him, um, they've they've had a bit of a mixed bag in their last eight. They've won three, lost three, and drawn two, uh, and they've lost their last two. I know um, they had a relatively decent start, but they've lost the last two games in the league. Fulham, obviously, uh, they lost four one and Peterborough. This weekend they, they lost three 0 which I don't think anyone would have seen that result coming. It's a championship for you, isn't it? Well, yeah, they were down to ten men, I think Birmingham. Yeah, Gardner got sent off, but still, I think they were pretty much losing then anyway. So I don't think it made much of a difference. Yeah, I agree. I think they were already down and out really. Ruben Salt into wounds when the red card happened. Um, again, another side that play with a back three. Um, they've played played about three four times in the championship this season in in a three four three probably a bit a bit similar to uh, uh, West Brom on Saturday. So be a, quite possibly another war of attrition in terms of 
maybe not an overly attractive game of football to watch. No, but they have got dangerous players, Birmingham. I think in January, uh, not January, sorry, in the summer window, they recruited quite well, obviously. Brought in Taith Chong, who's quite a high-profile loan from Man United, obviously. Bringing Troy Dini raised a few eyebrows. So obviously, I've got dangerous players going forward, obviously. Hogan and Yukovitz as well. So, another one that the defence are going to have to be, you know, on the best of form to keep them out. But, you know, they've shipped seven goals in the last two. And with the former meals on and how lively Shawnee's looked without scoring in the last few games with Johnson, I'm no doubt we can score if we keep them out. And obviously, I'm no more than confident we can score two or three, really. And hopefully, have another good away day at Birmingham because we've had quite a few over the years, haven't we? Interesting to see if it's yet another team that's got a long throw because it seems to be a thing now, doesn't it? I mean, we were, I was slagging it off that we were using Barkley's long throw at the beginning of the season, but it seems as though every team's doing it. And yeah. Reese, I mean, where, where's he got that from? It's an absolute that, that torpedo, isn't it? Yeah. If he manages to stay on the pitch, because <laughs> he got a, a foul throw yesterday for it. But yeah, it seems to be a thing <laughs> where, you know. <laughs> That's the first time I've seen that for a long time. Yeah, he was quite far over as well. Yeah, even uh, even I saw his foot from where I see it in the finish stand. I was like, mm, I'll let it let it go for once. But it seems to be a thing now. It's, yeah, it's happening. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Towelgate yesterday. Um, yeah, wouldn't I wonder why more teams don't do it? Yeah, because we were using it, weren't we, as well? Yeah. Well, I, at first, I thought they were ours, and then obviously I seen, thought, oh, they've, they've thought on the feet here a little bit and uh, got some towels put down, and then obviously seen Lee on the other side with his shorts on coming out of the, the West Brom dugout, kicking off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God. Funny. Yeah, all that, all that money in that team, and they're relying so heavily on a long throw. And a towel. A towel, yeah. <laughs> the most I've valuable seen, asset is the towel. I've seen a tweet after the game. Someone obviously nicked the towel. Um, stood outside the ground with it. Just, I, I love little things like that. It's what, what makes football, especially football with fans in, just funny. Um, yeah, what, what are your predictions for Birmingham then? I know obviously we, we've said hopefully it's uh, another good away day. We've had we've had a few there over the last few years. I think it's going to be another draw. 1-1. I think we'll keep them out. I think we'll be dangerous on the counter-attack like we've shown. I think we'll win 2-0. Feeling quite confident for this one. Yeah, I think we... I think it'll be one nil either way. I'm not I'm not massively confident. I hope it's not another draw because while it's good to remain unbeaten, that would be. Uh, let me have a look. Four games without a win, wouldn't it be? Four draws in a row. I think it'll be nine games played and only two wins, wouldn't it? If we draw on a one or we'll don't win on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, and you know, like I said, it. it it's all well and good staying unbeaten probably good for morale but is it that good you know yesterday on social media it it was a, a positive place to be for once which is always good as a north end fan because it can be quite the opposite quite often um but do you think there's maybe an element of people getting a little bit carried away two wins this season in what on paper has looked like a relatively easy start as well. Is two wins good enough? 
I think the manner in which we've drawn the games, there's probably led to people being sort of more elated than perhaps the results are. I mean, obviously, switch it round. If we're beating Sheffield United in midweek and concede in the 95th minute and then obviously go to West Brom, say, pick up a point. And then if we lost or drew to Birmingham on Saturday, it's a lot more deflated, isn't it? But I think obviously the way we've scored is elated people. But at the end of the day, you know, to be a successful football club and to progress up the table, you need to be winning games, obviously. Two out of eight so far in the season. It's not really what we'd all hoped for. And it's like you say, looking at the fixtures, you know, Reading and Hull are all down there. It's, we're not really played that many teams that are in the sort of top end of the division. So, you know, fingers crossed we can start turning a few of these draws into wins. But, you know, it needs doing sooner rather than later, doesn't it? Because we are in 17th and, you know, we're by no means safe or in a particularly good place, if you know what I mean. Not struggling, but not setting the world alight. Well, you think, remember last season where we were winning, losing, winning, losing, winning, losing, and the atmosphere was completely toxic. And it seems as though everyone's a lot happier with just drawing games, whereas, you know, if that goes on, you don't you don't get that many points. So it's all right being positive and saying we're unbeaten, which is fair. But I think draws are okay if you start following up with wins because, yeah. you know, you can easily get into that routine. But I think, like you say, Sam, I think the way we've played and the fact that the manners, the manner of the draws, have been the positive. But yeah, Jake, I think it's easy to get a little bit carried away because then you can you can get easily sucked into um, the bottom end of the table. Mm. I think it's important not to get carried away. Um, and you know, like you said, Adam, while it is good that we're unbeaten, and you know, it's not not to be sniffed at. It's it's just important, isn't it, just to have a little bit of um, level-headedness about you and, and look at the actual situation as a whole because two two wins from, from the games we've had isn't, isn't great but you know like you said I think draws draws are fine and draws become good when you start following them up with wins so fingers crossed this week it's it's a win in the cup on Tuesday night and we can go down to St Andrews and, and come away with all three points as well Boys, I think unless you've got anything else you want to say, then we can wrap that up. No, nope, nothing else, mate. I'm all, I'm all out. Brill, thank you very much, boys. And thank you, listener, for listening to episode eight of the From the Finney podcast. As I didn't say at the start this week, if you want to support the pod, uh, you can head over to supported.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. And if you're listening on an Apple device, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave us a review on there. Boys, do you want to give yourselves a shout out on social media? Adam, I probably need it after last week, just a reminder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one extra underscore. Uh, at brownie underscore underscore underscore. Uh, and I, I'm at Whedon underscore, I'm at Whedon underscore Sam. Brilliant. Um, yeah, go and give the boys a follow if you aren't already. And yeah, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week as normal. Cheers, boys. <laughs>